Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Gyan Pampani, and I am the host of the Entrepreneurship Insights podcast. This afternoon, we are here with the CEO of WCG Ventures and the Assistant Managing Director at Compridge, Ruben. He's currently a student in Singapore who works diligently every day to make his entrepreneurial dreams a success. Hi, Ruben. It's a pleasure having you today. Yeah, it's a pleasure being on. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, my first question is like, give us some background. How did you get started with entrepreneurship? And when did you realize that you wanted to become an entrepreneur? Well, to be very honest, it started when I got into university admissions. Um, I was looking at, you know, I really universities, um, looking at Crimson Education, other education management consulting services, and they kept emphasizing the importance of pursuing extracurriculars, uh, building a leadership profile. And so the first things that they suggested were, of course, you know, being a club president, um, holding some kind of leadership position in student government. So I tried that for a while, but then later on, I realized that leadership can be explored in other ways, particularly in leading your own organizations. So that's pretty much how it started for me. Um, I think the thing that I enjoy most about entrepreneurship is um, being able to take charge of a vision and realize it. Um, but at the same time, you know, not being, not having to go the conventional route. That's the thing that I probably like most about it. Um, yeah. Oh, that's, that, that's interesting. You know, um, being a student myself, uh, many, like many educational institutions say that, oh, okay, you have to start with, if, if you want to be recognized as the star student, right, you need uh, a prop, uh, you, you need, you need to hold leadership position because that's really what matters right and and to you this uh, and like you said being able to uh, being able to change the world to what you do is really important yeah, so uh you, you are the ceo of uh, wcg ventures an incubator based in singapore so what services does it provide its customers and what problem does it solve in yeah society so yeah, so WCG is basically a startup incubator that's targeted towards Gen Z high school entrepreneurs, specifically those focusing in tech ventures. Um, and the services that we provide mostly include, you know, we have a team of um, experts and other high school entrepreneurs recruited from my school, but also overseas um, that have significant experience consulting and they understand the different stages when it comes to entrepreneurship, the phases, the life cycle and, and how a startup matures. And their goal really is to develop a full planning process for all our clients um, to ensure that they get from, you know, an idea, the most inexperienced level, all the way to realizing their vision. Um, and other things that we do include fundraising, creating pitch documents, um, trying to find angel investors, but also using um, platforms that don't require any equity stake, for example, Kickstarter. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, um, that's really insightful, you know, like, so your, your um, this WCG Ventures is geared towards making the startups realize what their true mission is and what their true vision is. So yeah. once you have that vision, you can focus on focus on making that a reality, right? Yeah. So uh, you mentioned that you use your network and customers. Uh, sorry, you use your network and um, uh, services like Kickstarter to also help with pitch documents and everything so can you go into more detail regarding that yeah so our process is really one of understanding what the startup is um and we usually think of it as you know if we come if we get someone that comes to us 
um, and they already have an existing startup, that's when we go right into fundraising. So usually it's the seed round, or it could be series A, but usually it's a seed round because it's really small startups and SMEs. Um, and so when, when people come to us, we want to understand um, what the business is, what the business should be, and what's the viable part of the business. And then with these three components, we create a document. Um, and also we need to understand why are they raising funds? Because that's what investors always want to know. They want to know what the use of cash is going to be like. So you have to be clear of these four things and you know properly state them in a document before people would even be willing to respond to a call or a cold email. And then once they respond, you know, we, we try and hook them. The success rate is pretty low. You have to try like a bunch of people. Um, in reality, getting investors, um, getting capital is hard. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how do you use your network to help your customers? Because because it because in the entrepreneurial world or in in any as long like if you look at society from any perspective, a network is really important. Being able to know the correct people in the right places, right? So can you speak yeah. like what yeah. do you think about that? Yeah. So yeah, absolutely right about that. In fact, the biggest and best opportunities only come with network or if you know someone on a first name basis. Um, and so yes, this is definitely how it works all the time. Um, like for example, in Combridge as well, we're trying to find a, a VC or an angel investor for the organization. That's what the founder and I encourage all our scouts to do is reach out to people that you know. And it's the same with WCG. Um, almost everyone that we get to agree and come on board for certain startups um, to provide, to cover some startup costs are usually people that either our client knows, we know, um, most of the time it should be we know because we're the people that are providing the service. And so it also comes, um, what also comes into play are the people that we have in WCG. Um, we, we try to have um, people on board who have a clear history of involvement with a long list of organizations because that way their reach is much longer. And so, and then we also like to have like team meetings. So we sit down with the client and we understand what their needs are, how much they're targeting. And so we go around the room and ask, you know, do you know anyone? Do you know anyone? And sometimes it can be like, not even like first name basis, but like a friend of a friend of a friend. You should always look that far because really the number of people that you can go to is, is limitless, limitless. So you really have to try your best. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely agree with you. You know, like um, not only looking for people, like not only looking for people who just, or who you know, but who do they know, right? Because that's yeah. really important. Right? because that network it builds on each other okay so say you know 10 people but those 10 people also know 10 more people and yeah. and that just in yeah so yeah. it's it, it's really interesting how you use your how you use your network to help not only yourself but your customers and uh you mentioned Comprich as well uh could you go into more detail about that yeah so Comprich was started by um a, D, a tgcc global champion tiger global case competition a competition. His name is Sidang. Um, and uh, he started it with a guy called Sadvik. Basically, what it aims to do is um, collate the very best, but also the most cost, cost alternative competitions. Um, I think it's kind of like an antithesis, antithesis to Crimson Education, whereas Crimson Education charges students um, as their clients to access opportunities. Comprehensive charges competition providers and, and, and gives students access to that. And so I think that, you know, it's really growing in terms of its user base, in terms of its mission and what it aims to do. Um, right now, in terms of Combridge, internally, I can't say much, but um, 
uh, right now, our biggest focus would be um, getting VCs. Um, we just had um, a major um, cybersecurity company in, in the MENA region. They're starting up a new edutech division. And the guy who's leading that is kind of being an advisor for Combridge and guiding us in the way for it. Um, I think Combridge isn't, it's ne it isn't necessarily so, um, so much about what exactly we're doing because our competitions comprise so many different specific interest areas. Um, it's more about, you know, a theme of winners and um, winning at what or against who, those are just details for us. So yeah, Combridge is a great place. Yeah, so how specifically does it help um, aspiring entrepreneurs or anyone really in, in uh, anyone really in search for more opportunities? Yeah, so you just simply go up to the website. Um, you can sign up for a free account. It's completely free to use. Um, I think Combridge also has a whole host of content creation. So we have podcasts with like Ivy League people that are churned out like every week, like ex Combridge users that got into Ivy League schools. Um, there's um, a blog, I believe. So there's all these different um, pieces of content that you can access on a daily basis um, that are in the pipeline and new ones are also being developed um, all for free. Um, and you also can use the website and just serve competitions and there's an easy apply function through the website. Yeah. Yeah, so my takeaway is that through these through these services like the blogs and the pod uh, podcasts and the competition, it seems like this ground where you just inspire entrepreneurs because because in the entrepreneurial world, inspiration is the is is the most important. You know, having that confidence within you to be like, yeah. hey, I can do this. I can take these types of risks. That's really important. And and I love I, I really love what Compridge is doing. And so you mentioned about. Uh, about some mentor that Compich had, could you uh, could you go into more detail about that and explain how how mentors really help in 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 the entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, so I think um, in any entrepreneurial endeavor, it's really important to have someone that has actual experience. Um, you mentioned taking risk. Um, I think um, to some extent that might be like a misconception with many people. I think especially for young millennials, um, entrepreneurship is like a really feel good thing, like the idea of quitting your job, being your own boss. Um, but, you know, listening to influential figures speak like, for example, Steve Schwartzman, he actually emphasized that entrepreneurs don't take risks because, you know, where, where they are, they're already like the most um, vulnerable to risk um, in a sense that, you know, they're leaving a steady stream of income to start their own project start their own organization and so sometimes they always make calculated decisions sometimes they don't make them well um, and they fail but that that just means that they're not necessarily a great entrepreneur um, usually the best would you have to go through a rigorous thinking process um, but yes the first step alone of you know going out and even trying to do your own thing that's already a, a huge risk in itself and i hope that more young people will be willing to pursue that um, but on top of that when you understand you know, the kind of risk that you're undertaking, you always need to safeguard against that and receive the proper advice. Um, I think the best culture that you could possibly foster at any organization, any company is just ask. Um, you shouldn't be spending six weeks finding out something that you can just ask someone that's more experienced in the field and find out in, in two weeks, you're not gonna get extra credit for that. And so just have that intellectual humility to go to someone, even if they're not like on an official position, like board of trustee, really just an advisor that you could speak to on a daily basis because you are going to run into some problems and you need someone to go to 
when those problems start arising. And it's, it's only logical that you have someone um, in the field. Like for example, with DGCC, um, when we got like the case study, even though I didn't make it, the first thing that we did was we looked at the industry um, where the case was centered around semiconductor industry um, and also just general consulting. And we spammed a bunch of people from McKinsey and other companies to try and get us, get them to mentor us um, and also industry professionals. I think um, specifically in the field of finance, um, you know, people like to talk about investment banking, other high finance jobs. Um, the truth is being a generalist in finance isn't enough anymore. You really need to have industry experience. I know a lot of people also want to move from investment banking to private equity, to venture capital, to start their own unicorn. Um, to do these things, you just, you can't just have like a generic finance experience. Um, and that's something that I'm working on because so far, most of my endeavors have been more generalist. I mean, you look at Conbridge, you look at WCG, it's more like a business finance focused thing. Um, what I'm trying to build right now is also have a deep understanding of a particular industry. So like, um, you know, the engineers, people like that, those are the people that are going to be really helping to create value for your organization. And so ha always having someone with a deep bench of industry knowledge on your team will always help. Yeah. Well, you mentioned a lot there, you know, about um, just just being humble, you know, and part of entrepreneurship is just like getting yourself off that, um, I guess, yeah. that stool, you know, that, oh, I'm the best person. Oh, because just because I left this job, I'm the best person. But no, there are always some people who are um, who are more in or who have more knowledge or who have more wisdom than you because they just have, like you said, industry experience. Right. And. And, and I, that's really important for entrepreneurship. Like you said, that you need to have a deep understanding of a specific uh, industry. Like just being, oh, okay, I'm just gonna sit here and say, oh, I wanna be an entrepreneur, but okay, what are you gonna do, right? That's the question. And that for that, like you said, you need a specific, uh, you, you need a specific goal in mind, right? You need, okay, what area of this, this society am I gonna focus on? Engineering or deeper tech or, bi or biotech or bi bi like, this is the uh, the opportunities are limitless that way so thank you yeah. for that insight yeah and so, actually i'm uh, following up on on what you said um figuring out what you're gonna do before you start doing it um people always think in entrepreneurship like i've spoken to even people that went to y combinator like they keep talking about pivoting their startup pivoting's okay but you can't go in not having an, an idea and there's something else that Steve, Steve Schwartzman um, emphasized he's the founder of Blackstone, um, one of the biggest private equity groups. The thing that he always emphasizes is, again, linking back to the idea of entrepreneurs not actually taking risk. Um, you always want to um, do uh, a couple of things before you start. You always want to get um, facts that people don't have, get information that people don't have, or interpret information in a way that no one else can or has. Um, I think as an entrepreneur, you should always be going for an area that's not well-serviced. If it's an area that's well-serviced, you shouldn't be going there because you may, you may feel good about yourself that you're doing it, but no one, like, frankly, no one really cares. Um, you care, but like the world doesn't really care because there's like so much competition out there. So just because it's a popular area doesn't mean you should be doing it. Um, you know, as they say, land of the blind, blind one-eyed man is king. So you should always be um, the idea behind that is that, you know, even in a room full of incompetent people, if you're the least incompetent, um, you're always going to be considered as the most competent. Um, um, that's a pretty unsavory way of putting it. And the other way that you can think of it is 
if you are going into an area that's less well serviced, you have a higher chance of succeeding. And so you should always have a strategic plan in mind before you embark on entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah, because entrepreneurship is all about taking not just risk, like I, I apologize, I should have said calculated yeah. risks, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, just taking all the factors into consideration because some people, they just say, oh, okay, I don't, I, I don't want to deal with funding or say another factor. Oh, I just want to deal with this. But then sometimes they fail, right? And being able to take a step back and analyzing every, all, not, you can't analyze every factor, but analyzing most of the factors there will really increase the chances of your success. And yeah. you said to enter a space that is not well-serviced, right? And I definitely agree because, okay, if you, if you want to create the next Apple or the next Amazon or the eBay, like I, I, I think you would agree with me, that would be very hard because the, yeah. it would be, it's almost like a monopoly, right? So take take an area that's not well-serviced so you can be that, you can be that king in that area. Yeah, yeah. So you hold the position of the second in charge of Comprich, an organization geared towards helping aspiring entrepreneurs succeed in the business world. Uh, and so its motto is compete, enrich, and evolve. So how do you live by that motto as an entrepreneur? And how has this entrepreneurial mindset helped you in pursuing your different areas of entrepreneurship? Yeah, I think um, those three words in succession, they're really succinctly summarize what the process is like so when you start off you know you're all ambitious you're all competitive um but at first you have to learn right you have to engorge yourself on the necessary information before you can take on those challenges and then 80 percent out of 100 percent likely you'll fail in between and so you'll have to learn to adapt and evolve um and i think that that applies to almost everything that i've done i think especially the evolve part um in you know in high finance in your career um, if you're looking at private equity or investment banking or, you know, students that are just interested in finance jobs, be it working at a hedge fund or wherever, um, being open-minded and being able to react in situations is always key. Um, and so I think the evolve part is really, really important because I've seen many people that have an idea um, and it doesn't work out and they either pivot back to an, a conventional idea or they just give up completely. Um, and that's one of the points that I wanted to bring up um, too often I see many um, high schoolers starting organizations that um, okay like take yourself for example right like very few students are doing what you're doing or take Comprich for example um, it's it's a really unique idea but I see a lot of high schoolers out there starting organizations that in spaces that are overly saturated they may brand it in a different way they may phrase the what its mission is in a different way but if you go out and start digging you'll find like there are already five similar organizations that were done prior and so being an entrepreneur isn't just starting a, an organization you really have to innovate that's the that's really the point of enterprise um and i think that that's what i would encourage most high school students to do is put idea into the put effort into the idea of course product development um, and developing your organization the infrastructure all that Without that, your organization wouldn't exist. But before you start, you really have to get clear what the idea is and what makes it unique. And so I think whenever you fail, you always have to keep that idea in mind when you evolve. Because I've been in similar experiences where I started off with a unique idea. It didn't pan out. It didn't get the level of success I expected. And then I started reverting back to you know, more conventional routes. 
and um and i lost sight of why I even started off on this venture in the first place so i think um compete um and evolve those parts are especially important because to be competitive you have to bring an edge you have to have a strategic advantage others don't um and with the evolve part even as you evolve don't lose sight of why you started this this whole thing yeah wow so you said that like it's it's really um i i don't even know what to say usually i have something good to say or something to say but that was just amazing you know how you said that okay evolving is necessary right and it reminds me of a quote i don't uh, i forgot who said it but he said that if you don't if you don't uh evolve if you don't grow then you're technically just not living you're 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 a basically a dead person right because that that's really important right for you to uh for you to always innovate like you said right like so, okay there must be a billion podcasts out there right and i know that right but i guess highlighting that specific yeah why you're doing that right yeah, that's niche. important yeah. yeah and uh focusing on the and and not just because of a few uh, what do you call it um just because of a few wrongdoings or a few uh, misconceptions don't like completely just forget that idea that 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 should be a motivation to just continue going and to yeah. make to make that dream into a reality and like you said uh okay you lost sight of your idea and you're doing more conventional things right and then you're like oh wait why am i even doing this right yeah. and i feel like if it's important for an entrepreneur to periodically check within yes, like like exactly. what I'm, like within like just ask yourself hey am i doing what i really want to right yeah. and uh is whatever i'm doing right now is that contributing to the goal i want to achieve later in yeah. in the future right yeah. so thank you that was that was really insightful uh so competing in tournaments takes courage and you said that you failed in the most uh, recent tcgg one so how have you handled failure and how has it helped you grow like relating back to what we're doing yeah yeah i think my um attitude towards failure um you know when i was younger i didn't really participate in much extracurriculars um when i was like at a much younger age i excel academically um and i didn't really do anything else besides that so because of that environment i wasn't really used to failure until i started doing all this stuff um it was a bit of a shock um, but now my attitude towards failure, not just in tournaments, um, but in any endeavor in life, is just believing that it's a blessing in disguise. Um, because when you believe that at some point you'll be right, um, you know, it's like, it, it's the same with being a pessimist, like things will go wrong. So eventually you'll be right. But it's the same with, you know, believing that if one opportunity closes and you weren't committed to that, a better opportunity will come along. It always works out. Um, because like for example if you're in a competition and i saw it as a as kind of a blessing in disguise to be removed from dgcc um at such an early stage i think you know if i'd gotten further and i dedicated more time um it wouldn't be a, um i guess it wouldn't be have been as worth it because in a sense you're putting time away um and you're so it was kind of a blessing in disguise really because it was um time that was saved for me 
to do something else, to do it, to create value, right? And I think that's really important to understand. Um, but at the same time, I think it's also uh, um, important to acknowledge the impermanence of failure because it's temporary, like that it happens, but it's just one event in like a long sequence of things that you're gonna do throughout high school, throughout college, throughout your entire life. And so, um, you know, when you fail once, it's like, it's, you know, people often say, pick yourself up and get going. Um, it, it's easy to say that, but like when you're in the moment, it's like, it's like some people just have it in them um, and some people don't. So I, what I encourage is for all people to just be optimistic and think that, you know, like in the next minute or something, I'm going to get like an email from someone and it's going to be like a big opportunity that will encourage you to keep going because you understand that good things, good things can still happen. Um, I think oftentimes um, when uh, someone fails, they, they think that one failure is like the definition of their ability. And so when you kind of define yourself that way, you, lo you lose the ability to do other things. So it's, it's really just one event. It's random. For example, in a competition, um, you know, it's dependent on a variety of factors. It's dependent on, for example, the person that was judging, um, what were they thinking? What was their mood? What was to their liking? What was of their personal preference? So just a bunch of factors like that. And I don't think that failure should ever um, be a factor. It's just something that happens and then you move on. Um, and then, you, uh, yeah, yeah, that's basically how I see it. And I think participating in a bunch of competitions, that's the enriched part of the Combridge motto. Um, I think one thing that people really have to um, prioritize is um perfecting your craft um and building your own intellectual capital um i think you know too often people think oh i can i can make it along the way no you really have to perfect your craft and so participating in competitions is the best way for you to benchmark against your peers and understand where your ability really lies um and regardless of whether you win or not you should still take part in as many as possible because having that rotation you know being rigorous and um, going up against people one after another, you know, like they say, you know, if you compete against, a, if you talk to a fool too long, he'll become as smart as you are. And so if there's someone else better than you and, and wins over you in a competition, you just keep participating in more and more until you get to that level. It's kind of the same reasoning, but yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You know, like building intellectual, um, yeah, just, 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 sorry, building intellectual capital, and uh, you said that one, one, sorry, entrepreneurs, right, in this age define, say that one failure is the definition of their ability. But really, I think that it should be changed to the amount or you should be defined by the amount of fail, the amount of failures you have, I guess, overcome, right? Yeah. Because th th that's, that's the true marker of your success. And really success is like this, oh, okay, this high, I guess this high goal, right? But really, you're, you're you can be successful in any way, and as long as you stand up after every failure, you you tell that failure like, "Hey, I'm stronger than you. I can I can face many more of you, right?" I, th that's really important, and like 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 we're just saying this right now, but when it actually comes, like, oh, say um, say you didn't get accepted into a college or say you didn't get accepted into an internship or a job opportunity or maybe even yeah. funding for your future capital that that's really it's it's really hard to actually do it in the moment right and yeah. i feel like that's a really big part of 
the entrepreneurial mindset to be prepared for that and just to be ready for whatever comes your way right like most of this sounds really cliche but it is actually at at its essence entrepreneurship is just that yeah and um building upon that um i think there's one thing that failure cannot take away i think um you know the success of you know what you were doing what you were planning um the validity of the plan that you created yes failure might damage that it might show you that that's not that the plan sucks but um one thing that failure cannot take away from you is intellectual capital like you were discussing that experience and i think it's really important for all high school entrepreneurs not just to be looking at um tangibles for the organization because let's face it these are student run organizations these aren't fortune 500 companies fortune 500 companies truly on a like they have a skill that's actually significant um you know student run organizations is a place for you to foster um your abilities um but it's also a place for you to learn and grow everything should be a learning opportunity and so the one thing that you can do instead of you know if you started like a network of clubs for example don't be thinking oh i need to get this number of clubs by this month and build it in that in that form because you're not a company that's expanding or anything is significant like that you should really be thinking about developing your own intellectual capital because that's something that will actually reap rich dividends for you throughout your life the ability to learn and come up with um learn how to tackle problems in a solution that's uniquely yours that's the intellectual property and then of course you have to protect it um and you have to make sure that you know you you it's yours and so that's the one thing that you can do because it requires no startup capital it's something that you just you see a problem and then you research and you figure out how to do it i mean people have solved incredible problems just sitting at home on the computer and so i think that all high school students not just in their learning like specifically when they're studying for exams or researching exploring the intellectual interests but even when it comes to entrepreneurship that experience of understanding for example what fails in a startup and what succeeds why this plan didn't work um why why this project got screwed up how the how to get better people on board your team next time these are all pieces of experience that form kind of like a base of intellectual capital that no one can take away from you and i think that's what you should always be looking for if there's one thing that you can get out of the experience yeah well wow, that was that was absolutely amazing you know <clears throat> intellectual capital doesn't require any financial investment and more importantly failure cannot take away your intellectual capital actually as long as you yeah as long as you i guess overcome that failure it actually adds on to it right yeah, exactly. and and it's the only thing that can like like you said reap rich dividends and you you were saying something about or you were saying about success right and that how we quantify it with oh uh this is the, i i have these many number of clubs under my network or i have these many subscribers on my channel or i have these many listens right and that's just a way of quantifying your apparent success what really yeah. matters is the impact the change that you have on the world right like um, i i have i have a few mentors in my life who are like oh you don't don't focus on how many subscribers you have don't focus on how many listens you have right focus on hey if i can get one person to become an if i can inspire one person to become an entrepreneur right like in in your compridge case like if you can inspire people to to take on the 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 challenges of this world the challenges of this society 
that will be enough right and yeah. uh, and again and again you have to remind yourself that hey you can't quantify success by number of clubs oh i got one subscriber today oh i lost yeah. this many like that's i guess you have for an on for an entrepreneur it's important to step up from that mindset yeah thank and, you uh, and yeah i'm following from that i think it kind of ties back to what i said earlier about um perfecting your craft really making sure that what you're doing is of high quality and not high quantity because you know I, and this is something like for example if you watch why combinator videos that's one thing they emphasize just a little advice for people that are you know um, doing entrepreneurship specifically rolling out products it's always better to have a product target a niche group of small group of people who love it as opposed to a large group of people that just like it or or are okay with it so i think falling out from what you said like of course you know in business and in, in finance it's always good i mean you bring in numbers right that's your job but to do that you need to make sure that everything that you're doing is of the highest quality you can't muddle your way through it and and somehow you know get the numbers by by not focusing on your craft and so you know enriching yourself getting the necessary information learning as much as possible learning voraciously reading widely um and just getting that experience you know like taking part everyone benefits from a competition i know people who lose competitions don't like to hear that but everyone really does benefit from a competition because um you get experience and everything as long as you aren't sitting on your couch doing nothing that's intellectual capital under your belt if you're going out doing something failures intellectual capital success is intellectual capital all of that feeds into stuff that you can use and so use that and perfect your craft and things will work out as long as you're pursuing high quality um and not you know just going through the motions yeah definitely i, I definitely agree with you you know like as long as you're not sitting on your bed on your social media or you're not lying down on the couch watching tv you're you're doing something every day you're as long as it's baby steps right like it doesn't need to be oh i won this competition today oh i got this much money today oh i won this this today yeah. right it has to be okay what am i doing that is helping me achieve my goal right and and really it's important that you have your goal in mind so you can as long as you're paving your way to your goal as long as you're taking these small steps what are you doing today that's adding on to what you did tomorrow which is leading to what you're doing which is leading to what you want tomorrow right yeah so absolutely yeah thank you um so what is your advice uh, coming back to um wcg ventures what's your advice for people thinking about entering the venture capital field not not only founding um incubators but founding accelerators yeah yeah exactly so um i was hoping that you asked that about vc and by extension um private equity any other buy side um, I know a lot of people want to get into investment banking, <clears throat> but a lot of junior bankers are actually leaving to go into buy side roles, be it a hedge fund, venture capital, um, or private equity. I think venture capital definitely has a more entrepreneurial, um, entrepreneurial side to it in the sense that you're starting from, you're not starting from a mature company, you're starting at series C or series D or, or something early in, in the life cycle of, of a startup. But I think um, you know, we already talked about entrepreneurship at length. Um, I think the main thing that I, will, I want to emphasize for anyone going into VC or private equity is um, uh, really understand the importance of value creation. Um, 
too often, you know, people, like I said, again, like people go through the motions. Um, they don't look to differentiate themselves and get access to information that no one else has or pursue strategies in a way that no one else has thought of doing before. I think a lot of the biggest um, firms um, in venture capital or um, take, for example, um, Vista Equity, you know, um, founded by Robert F. Smith. Um, it focuses on enterprise software. It kind of started off as a VC slash private equity firm. And their main focus was really how do we create value and how do we leverage intellectual capital? Once again, it just keeps coming back to that. Um, and especially in finance, um, you know, people say that financiers don't create anything. To some extent, maybe, I mean, they're not creating an airplane, they're not creating a machine, they're not creating a semiconductor chip, but what they are doing and what they are creating is intellectual capital, right? They're taking things from other businesses, uh, best practices, you know, strategic goals, objectives, and they're applying those, those pieces of knowledge across multiple startups or multiple companies. That's what private equity firms do. They look to enhance the operations of a company um, using the knowledge that they have from previous companies or existing companies in the portfolio and make sure that these things synergize in that way. Um, so I think that, you know, in, when you when you get into high finance, you know, sometimes um, it's not just all about, it's really even being in high finance is like being an entrepreneur, really. It's looking for those little spots where you can create value. It's not just being in, finance or being on Wall Street. I think another thing that I would ask people to kind of um, understand when it comes to VC or PE or any other buy side role is really appreciate the value of being an investor and doing due diligence. Um, I think when I first got into finance, like the, I got into it through investing, public investing, the most enriching part for me was always doing due diligence, um, doing analysis and kind of gaining intellectual capital that way. Um, so yeah, and I think I would encourage a lot of people to go into VC, um, or any buy side role because it's extremely diverse in the responsibilities that you get to undertake. You can, you have to generate new investment ideas. Again, like an entrepreneur, you have to, um, fundraise just like an entrepreneur. You have to, um, you have to do due diligence. You have to mitigate risk just like an entrepreneur and you have to monitor existing companies. Um, so I think personally, I would pick VC over going into investment banking or any other role because it's just much more diverse as a buy side role. It's much more of a big boy's job. Um, and um, yeah, I think, you know, being an investor is, is really exciting. And especially in VC, you'll be working really closely with an entrepreneur. So you'll probably be thinking just like an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. That's That's really insightful, you know, like, <clears throat> always striving for value creation right yeah. and not being able to <clears throat> like and some entrepreneurs and some like you said financiers are ridiculed because they're not creating anything tangible they're not creating the next iphone they're not creating the next um earphones yeah. like they're not creating the next computers yeah, many right? of them are just doing yeah. deals doing m a um yeah. you know people think that you know um financial institutions are more, you know, their financial buyers, you know, like look at leverage buyouts, for example, they're looking for things that can be financed. It's not necessarily true. Clients always want to go to the people that actually have ideas of their own and real things about the business model and how they can improve operations, improve the business um, and, you know, provide security for workers and employees. That's what clients look for. It's not, you know, how well can you find, how many leverage buyouts have you done? How good are you at, know financing this deal of course when you're an industry professional in private equity or venture capital you have to 
you know, know how to do these things because that's your entire job. But clients always go to the best firms and the best firms are always those that look for value creation. I mean, anyone can execute an M&A, anyone can, you know, do deals and transactions. That's not what it's about. It may be the glamorous aspect of it, but it's most certainly not what it's about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I feel like many aspiring entrepreneurs strive for, oh, okay, if, if, if I take this job or if I take this role, um, I'll be able to do like these many deals a day. I'll be able to make this much in revenue, right? But yeah. coming back to the value creation and the quality versus quantity, it really matters. Okay, it doesn't matter how many deals you've done or how many people you've helped. If, even if you've helped one one startup go from square one to to like series A or series B or, or even even further than that, that's that's really important. It means that you've made a change in not only in those business owners' lives, but the people who the the customers of the of, yeah. of that business, right? Yeah. And and again, I can't I can't stress this enough. Value creation is really important. How are you able to help help other people, help society without really quantifying it? And yeah. even even though entrepreneurs strive for this, it is really hard to achieve. And yeah. which leads into this leads into my last uh, question, which is how what advice would you have for entre- or entrepreneurs or even students uh, on how to leverage their opportunities and their networks and um, just take advantage of their passions yeah so i think when it comes to um so the first one that you made about harnessing your passion once again um value creation when you approach anything um if you're looking to apply your passion and generate real results you have to think of doing that someone else hasn't done but i think the the, the main thing that i haven't touched on today would be um leveraging your network leveraging you know the people that you know the friends that are close to you the mentors that you know and i think um the number one key in life is how what what is your attitude and how do you behave as a person i think people really really respond to that not just like you know fellow high schoolers but even more so in the corporate world um in the professional world people want to know who you are as a person and how you deal with people um and so you know, for example, like if you're applying for an internship, right, you're leveraging a network, you're going to people that you know, um, or, you know, adults that you know, or perhaps, you know, asking your parents, sourcing around if there's anyone that they know. Um, apart from doing that, people want to see how exactly you approach it um, and like what you understand from it. So, for example, if you're approaching someone for an internship, how would you, like, for example, if you're cold emailing them, how would you phrase the proposition? Would you be like, um, you know, how would you, how would you sell yourself? How do you want people to see you? Because depending on how people want to see you, that's how they will see you. You know, the way that you behave around people tells them a lot about you. Um, and so I think that's the number one key in how you deal with situations, how you deal with people, how you manage relationships with people, um, and kind of your, your, your people like to see people, um, young people that are open-minded. I think, too often kids that are close-minded, they put adults off because it seems like, you know, these kids don't want to learn, like they don't have that intellectual humility to go out there and find out more. And so I think um, being open-minded, um, be, having a positive attitude always, um, and not always being results-oriented because once again, you're a high schooler, you're looking to learn. 
Um, and so, for example, if you're applying to an internship, I would often end the email off with, um, you know, even if there are no internship opportunities available, um, I'm, I'll be happy to make your acquaintance and I'm hoping we can schedule a chat soon. So it's really, that's networking. You know, you shouldn't be networking for getting in, in that internship in the short run, because if you're going to piss that guy off, then it's, it's really not worth it. Um, that, that connection will be much more valuable to you in college or in the workforce when you're looking for, for job open, openings. And so I think that's the value. Networking shouldn't, like people are in little chess pieces that you move around to, to get an objective that people that are going to influence like the industry that you're going to be working in if you're already pursuing that industry at a young age in high school. And so not um, poisoning the well, not damaging your relationships, but instead gaining that respect from people um, is super important. And you always gain respect by showing intellectual humility um, and always you know, being able to defer to people, being open-minded, willing to learn from them. I think as a high schooler, that's the most you can do because there's nothing else that a high schooler can do unless you're like a genius, you have genius IQ. There's nothing you can do that an older person who has more experience cannot do. So when everyone, when someone gives you an internship, when someone, you know, does something for you to help you achieve your ends, it's really just charity. It's because they believe in you and they're investing in you, not that you're like super talented, you have like insane amount of value that you're bringing to them. So you should reciprocate that that level of understanding. That's the only way that people will be willing to help you, to provide you with resources, to provide you with guidance, because, you know, it's really not the obligation to do so. So if you go out and you ask them and you show, hey, I, I'm willing to listen to whatever you have to tell me and learn and apply myself, that, that will be the most advantageous. Yeah. Wow. Like that. That, that was an amazing way to end off this interview. Like with uh, just being able to, it's like re respect, how to earn respect 101, right? It's like being able to be humble and, and, and just approaching others, right? Not ruining your network, but, but helping or helping them, uh, helping your network achieve their goals and helping yourself achieve your own goals, right? And it comes with, like and that entrepreneurial mindset is being able to work with another person effectively and how do you how do you grow together rather than grow apart right and that and if you grow apart it'll be really it'll, it'll be really hard for you to hold that network close right yeah so and once again it's like it's like quality over quantity right you're you're maintaining that structural integrity so to speak or the quality of your network you want reliable people you don't want just want people that you can that you can get something from. And so I think with regards to like um, my advice for high schoolers, I know the people watching this podcast are extremely ambitious. They want to go to Harvard, they want to go to Yale, um, and they want to get all these amazing extracurriculars and internships, work experience under their belt. When you're approaching, I mean, I, mean, I myself, I've cold emailed like over 200 boutique firms like looking for internships. Um, and I can, I can say from personal experience, like you shouldn't be looking to get something. So it's like, you know, the reason why people want to know how to use your network is because they can source for opportunities, but to get to properly use your network, to get opportunities counterintuitively, you have to not make it about getting something from someone. That's when the opportunities start flowing in because people you're differentiating yourself as a high school in terms of your maturity, in terms of your wisdom, in terms of the way that you see the world. Those are the kids that adults want to give opportunities to, not kids that are looking for an opportunity all the time. And I think, you know, for example, if you face rejection from a company applying for an internship, adults want to see the way that you react to that. If your mind is always on, oh, how can I still get something? 
right? You'll be pushing for something like um, if they if you ask for a straight up internship and they say no, then you'll keep pushing. Is there any other project that I can work on? And people can tell that you're on that superficial level where you're just looking to get something from them. And so you should, um, and those those types of mindsets and the way that you respond based on them, those are always the ones that are detrimental. So instead, think in terms of being a wholesome person in terms of, you know, just being a solid person. Like if people are, like as a human being, your job isn't to get a lot of stuff done and get stuff out of people and get accolades or names on your belt. It's to learn and grow and, and understand more about the world. And so if you have that solid kind of character, people can see that that's when the opportunities will come. You won't be doing yourself a favor if you're being pushy or if you're being, you know, superficial when you're asking people for opportunities. Yeah. That's the yeah, number that, one reply. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely wonderful. You know, being, being wholesome and just, just being out there and just not like, just, just be your true self. Because like, if you, like you said, superficially, like, oh, I do this or I do, like exaggeration and all that. I don't think that will really help being able to uh, just just being your true self will it may not may not attract the best or may may not attract the people you want but it attracts the people you need right and the people you you really need the people you need i guess right so just just part of being an entrepreneur is always being ready to grow to evolve right to enrich and and that's absolutely amazing, right? And with that, I'd like to conclude our interview here, Ruben. Uh, thank you for giving me this opportunity to interview you about WCG Ventures, about Comprich, about your other, uh, about your other, uh, about your other ventures as well. But and and just about entrepreneurship, it it was really insightful, and I and I'm sure it was insightful for the listeners uh, hearing this as well, and. Uh, just just thank you that thank you for making time out of your schedule i know you have an event i held you a little bit uh, a little yeah. bit late but uh, thank you thank you so much um it was an honor to be on this platform i know other people that have been on it and i'm glad you chose me as your next interviewer yeah definitely yeah it's it's, it's, it's an honor having you uh it's on it's an honor having you tonight and yeah. with that uh, good night you all yeah good night